in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now the news Kyrie Irving could rejoin the Nets on Sunday. He is apparently nearing the completion of his checklist that the Nets gave him to return from suspension. They gave him uh, six things to accomplish. He had to apologize and condemn the movie that he posted on his social media accounts. He had to make half a million dollars worth of donations to anti-hate causes. He had to take sensitivity training. He had to take anti-Semitism training. He had to meet with the Anti-Defamation League. And he had to meet with Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets, to demonstrate an understanding of why his actions were wrong. So he's doing most of these? From what we Most, if not of all of these, to get back? From what's been reported, the Nets said, hey, for you to come back, you got to do these six things. And now Adrian Wojnarowski saying he could be back on Sunday. So that implies to me he's done or is doing all of these things. Have you seen anything on social media condemning it and apologizing? I have not. Neither have I. Um... Maybe that's the Maybe last. That's the last step. thing he does is is apologize. So, here's a genuine, like skeptical but genuine question: Did the Nets just sort of do this to hey, let's let time pass, the outrage will die down, and then you'll come back, even if nothing's actually changed? Well, I think that's more so than him actually uh, learning from this. And that's the other part of this, like the whole hey, you got to do these six things. It's a checklist. Uh, you'd hope Kyrie Irving would, while doing those six things, learn some things. But I, but do we believe that he From actually Kyrie would? Irving? I would not. Yeah, I would not believe it. Do we believe that we'll get a legitimate apology, or will I it think be this like time the last you will. one? No, I think this time you will because I think he got so much grief for that's not really an apology, and now they put it on the checklist. I think they've explained to him what an apology is. I would get so here. Most of the reporting was that. The Nets weren't happy. When he finally got suspended, it's because the Nets weren't happy with how Kyrie talked to the media. Right. When, when, right. when the media basically like asked him, like, are, are you going to apologize? apologize? And right. he didn't. And like, are you anti-Semitic? And he wouldn't say, oh, I like Jews. Or no, I don't hate Jews. He wouldn't say it. And I, I would have to imagine that the Nets, when Kyrie Irving is back, are going to have a press conference. And Kyrie Irving is going to say, he's going to give a legitimate apology. He's going to say, I don't hate Jews, guys. Like, he's going to say what the Nets wanted him to say. Like, I feel like that is what's going to happen when he does, in fact, come back. And he's going to apologize. So I would guess we do do get a legitimate-sounding apology, whether or not Kyrie Irving means it, whatever. But I do believe we'll get a legitimate apology from Kyrie Irving before he plays. I think that's what the Nets will right. try to make happen. But again, did Kyrie Irving like learn why he was in trouble or not? I was also curious though that the $500,000 donation was that on top of the original 500,000 or is this what that was? I think that's what that was, but the first $500,000 donation got rejected. Oh, really? Whatever group he tried to give it to, they rejected it. So I don't so know if you had to find, find another, another one. one. I don't know exactly where you had to give that money to, but I think that would have counted as the original one. But whatever group that was said, we don't want Kyrie Irving's money. Next question. Shea Gilgis-Alexander had a game-winning three to beat the Wizards yesterday. 
He had 42 points last night. Shea Gilgis-Alexander for the Thunder has scored 35-plus in three straight games. You, you talked to JBT about him yesterday. I don't know if I should advise people to watch the Thunder because, to be honest, I've done it once this year, and it wasn't even the full game. But this kid's like... Yeah, he, he's, he's out of his mind right now. incredible. And the way he scores, it's like he does a new trick every time he comes down the floor. It's not like... like I loved watching James Harden, but it was the same move every single time right, when right. Harden was at his peak. Shea Gilgis Alexander is just sort of making it up as he dribbles, and it's incredibly fun to watch, and he's incredibly good. I don't know if it means anything for the Thunder. Like, are they going to be a play-in team in the West? I guess that's possible, and we might get to see it in a sort of one-game elimination scenario right. with Shea Gilgis Alexander. But he's really good. And yesterday when we talked to JBT, he sort of alluded to the idea that He's a little bit older than the rest of their players, and maybe the Thunder would trade him. You trade this guy to a team that's trying to win right now, oh, that t- the team might win the NBA title because of getting this guy. Warriors might get a road win. Yeah. <laughs> Are they going to get one of those this year? I'm not they sure lost they again last night. Yeah, exactly. And Steph went for like 50, didn't yeah. he? What are he, they doing over there? He had like 32 at half. What, what are they doing? They can't win on the road while Steph's going off? Normally, Steph goes off, and it's like, ah, oh, they're up by it's 30. It's a win, exactly. What's wrong with the Warriors? Great question. Thank, Thank you. Much. Justin Verlander and Sandy Alcantara won the AL and NL Cy Youngs, and both were unanimous. Nobody else in the league got a first-place vote for Cy Young. Uh, Did you know Justin Verlander and Sandy Koufax are the only pitchers in Major League Baseball history with three or more Cy Youngs and three or more no-hitters? I saw that during the playoffs. Someone had a note on that. Yeah, so Verlander, better than Sandy Koufax. He's going to look good in a Dodger uniform. Is he? Look at you. No, because I think the Mets will spend more. Will they, though? Well, it depends on what DeGrom does. Depends on what DeGrom does. If they're losing DeGrom, I could see them spending a lot of money. He wants a Scherzer deal, as you said yesterday. God, it'd be funny. That's a lot of money. It'd be funny if the Mets got both DeGrom and Scherzer. Or both DeGrom and Verlander. And already having Scherzer? Yeah, that'd be fun. And then none of them pitch. They're all hurt. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They've got... They've got, hey, we got $130 million in three pitchers. And, and none we got, of them are pitching this we week. We got 17 innings out of them this year. Yeah. <laughs> they would have more in three pitchers than like 20 baseball teams would have in, in their the entire team, yeah. entire uh, payroll. It'd be great, but I could also, I would love seeing the Mets. That'd be fun if the Mets did that. They just said, all right, we're paying every pitcher we can find. Just give them a bunch of money. Hopefully at least one of you is pitching when yeah. we get to the postseason. That's a great, great question. The Kansas City Royals want to build a $2 billion ballpark sports complex. Every every team that builds a ballpark now is like, oh, we got to have extra stuff around it. So there'd be like apartment buildings and all that. And the Royals didn't say how much, but they want hundreds of millions of dollars in public money, which of course they do. Could be $200 million, could be $900 million, could be over a billion. Um, doesn't everybody love the Royals' current park? Like, every time there's, like, a, we ranked the best ballparks in baseball, Kaufman's, like, in the top five normally. Yeah. Like, I've never been. Maybe it does I've suck. been to the outside of it when we go to Raiders-Chiefs games, and it's right next door. But everybody seems to love that place. I know it's old, but everybody seems to love yeah. that place. Um, so, right now in baseball, you have the A's desperately trying to get public money for a ballpark somewhere, anywhere it looks like they'll move to. Tampa Bay uh, wants a new ballpark, but I don't know how likely they are to get it. And Rob Manfred has said, we're not doing any expansion talk until we get those two figured out. 
And now the Royals are jumping in here and the Royals are like, well, we want a new ballpark as well. Um, so that's potentially three teams that would need to get a ballpark before baseball expands. Uh, are we going to get Las Vegas Royals rumors at any point? Who's the president that's going to fly out here every day on Southwest Airlines? Wouldn't that be question. great? If, wouldn't that be great if he and Cobble came at the same time oh, and they they're were competing? Like, they're touring the same sites. Are they both? Are they sitting next to each other at a Golden Knights game? Might be sitting next to each other in Southwest. Guy from Kansas City has to connect. Ah, they Kansas don't, City they don't pays have that more, much money. Kansas City pays a little bit more money than the A's. Come on. According to a USA Today article back in April, uh, Kauffman Stadium is number 16. Oh, they don't like them right. as much. All right. Nope. It's dropping. Maybe not. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so there's another look forward to that in – Let's. I'm going to make a prediction. Let's go – that'll be the start of the season. Let's go July of 2023. We're going to get a Royals somebody mentions Las Vegas. I, I, I'll – agree with that i think i also think that major league baseball is not i think the san francisco days are over of no public money i don't think they're allowing anyone to move anywhere or to do anything oh. without public money yeah if you're I mean, any sports team no in, chance in the in the country right now yeah you have to get public money yeah. by their league i think uh nycfc i think they're getting public money to build a soccer stadium in new york like that's major league soccer and that's new york city right. doing that like yeah if you're doing anything like oh yeah give it where yeah, give us you public gotta money. Give it, you got to take, they demand public money. I don't think, again, San Francisco's a one-off in terms of they built that thing without public money. Although infrastructure and sewage and all that, everyone gets that. That's like an automatic. But I'm pretty sure Major League Baseball does not let anyone relocate or do anything anymore without public money. And I don't think they should do that here. I mean, if you're going, if you're going to find governors and city councils and state legislatures that are willing to hand out 500, 700, a billion dollars. All right. <laughs> I wouldn't say no well, either. I'd be fine. If it I'm too. the team, I'm not going to yeah. say no. I just wouldn't do it myself. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, any public body should not be giving money to pro sports right. teams, right? You're giving money to guys that are like billionaires in most, in a lot of cases, not all cases, but a lot of cases, guys that are billionaires and you're giving them more money, like. Just have them do it themselves. Right. What's wrong with that? No, great, great question. All right. This is a tweet from Bill Shaken. For what it's worth, the Angels promotional schedule does not include any Shohei Otani giveaways beyond the trade deadline. Oh, so prior what a, what a tease. Prior to the trade deadline, they're going to have Otani giveaways. They're going to do a bobblehead. They're going to do a shirt. They're going to do a blanket. They're even going to do a puzzle. But after the trade deadline, there are no scheduled Otani giveaways. Now, teams update their promotional schedules in season, so this isn't like a finalized list or anything, but it appears to be a very... Um, do you think this is on purpose? They're I do think away, so. They're I, giving away a lot of stuff of him. I do think it's a very... Well, they always do. It's Otani. It's the only reason people go watch that team play. I told you. I went to two Astros-Angels games. One Otani pitched. It was 80% full. The next day, Otani didn't pitch. It was like 15% full. It's the only reason people go. So I would absolutely give away Otani stuff. Um, I think it's very much on purpose that, hey, we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna have multiple Otani giveaways, but make sure they're all done before the middle of July in case we, we trade don't this know, guy. In case we trade him. Yeah. Which, by the way, would be funny if they traded him now and didn't have him at all. I, and the bobbleheads have been ordered. Yeah. Then you got to give away the Otani bobbleheads. Maybe mm-hmm. ship them off to wherever you He's <laughs> Those are included in the trade. <laughs> Like you guys in the figure, angel yeah, uniform. Yeah. You guys got to figure out how to change the uniform on these bobbleheads. <laughs> but here, you get them with Otani. You guys are paying for shipping, too. Next question. The Saints are sticking with Andy Dalton. 
Uh, they have been considering changing starting quarterbacks. Remember, they have Jameis Winston, and he got hurt early in the year, but has been healthy for like three weeks now. Um, here's the fun stat, though. Three weeks ago, the Saints beat the Raiders 24 to nothing. In the last two weeks, the Saints have scored a total combined in two games, 23 points. I, and Jameis Winston's healthy. I don't know why you don't give him the shot back. So Dalton has played fine. Like, it, like the Saints aren't, like, bad because Andy Dalton's a train wreck. He's been fine. But I am... It, it's been very curious, Jameis Winston leaving Tampa and going to New Orleans, where I was like, oh, we're going to see him as a starting quarterback again and all this. Right. He gets hurt, misses basically an entire year. Then this year, gets hurt again. But now he's back healthy and can't beat out Andy, Andy Dalton. Dalton. And I don't know. Obviously, we're not at practice. I don't know if this is just simply like bad coaching decision, bad talent evaluation, or if it's truly... Jameis Winston can't beat out Andy Dalton in practice or when it, however they're evaluating it. Because if you're the Saints and you've scored 23 points in the last two games, and again, you're not going to Jarrett Stidham, right? You're going to Jameis Winston, right? A guy who's actually been a starting quarterback in this league, actually led the league in passing yards one year and interceptions. I don't know. I'm just a little surprised that he hasn't yeah. been able to beat him out. And again, maybe it's because the Saints coaching staff is doing a poor job evaluating talent, but it's where we are right now. Next question. The Packers released Amari Rodgers earlier this week. He fumbled four punts this year, which is impressive. Which is almost impossible. Yeah, he had, he's had he got five total fumbles this year, which is the most for a non-quarterback in the NFL. Um, the Packers, though, traded up in the third round to draft Amari Rodgers in the 2021 draft. So a season and a half later, he's gone. He's off the team. So the Raiders aren't the only team that struggled at drafting in the recent. Who's uh, drafting for them? Johnny? Yeah. Johnny? Mikey? Johnny and Mikey. <laughs> Who's drafting <laughs> for the pack? Uh, I assume it's Brian Gutenkirst, right? Yes. yes. I think so. I mean, it's not Aaron Rodgers. He no. would have drafted 16 well, wide receivers yeah, exactly. the last two years. That's all like, he would have drafted. Right. Even like, well, Jordan Love. Uh, no, thank you. We're just drafting wide receivers the whole time. So the Packers... Amari Rodgers, I think, is like the second highest drafted receiver they've had in, in whatever, five, ten years, something like that. And he made it a season and a half with the Packers. Well, I mean, also five fumbles. Not not helpful. Uh, no. Not That's... at all. And especially if you're going to fumble on punt returns, you can take the guy off of punt returns. Yeah. But he doesn't bring any value as a receiver. Like, he hasn't been a useful receiver for the Packers offense. So if you take him off punt returns... He's just standing on the sideline watching Christian Watson catch passes instead of Himself. actually doing anything. So if you're going to fumble punts away, it's about as bad as it gets. Which, by the way, you know what? I blame Rich Passaccia. He's the special teams coordinator oh, that's right. there. Come on. That's right. Get your punt returners under control, well, Rich. He's also out there laughing about 24-0 against the Saints. Well, his team kind of sucks, too. Yeah, but he's laughing. That's true. That's true. You think he's called Mark Davis? I don't think they t- he talks to the Raiders. And no, no, I, I think he just called Mark Davis and just hung up as soon as it was answered. <laughs> just so Mark Davis knew. Just so Mark Davis saw Rich Passaccia. Mark Davis did star 69. Welcome to the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Press one if you know your party's extension. Or maybe, I don't know if Rich Passaccia is much of a texter. Maybe he just texted Mark Davis saying, miss me. Question, Question mark. mark. Yeah, what, yeah. If, what if he just texts him the little eyeball emoji after every game? <laughs> <laughs> That's why Mark Davis is having these meetings with Josh McDaniels. Like, he's look like, at what Passaccia is texting me. you see what Passaccia is telling me? I fired this guy for you? All right, coming up next, 
The Golden Knights are back in action. Can they finally get another win? Floated across. Eichel to Stevenson. Up top. Here is an extra pass. Eichel! He scores! From the sharp angle, deep left wing. The Knights score with four seconds to go first period. Eichel's 10th of the season and his 20th point. The Knights take a 1-0 lead over San Jose in the dying seconds of the first period. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. We are going to have in about 20 minutes, John Fogarty tickets. It's a giveaway, so stay tuned for that. And then next hour, we'll have tickets to go see Pink. Uh, Golden Knights play tonight. They are taking on the Arizona Coyotes. A uh, chance to get back. To winning ways after losing their last this two can't be at a home. third straight here, man. I mean, come on, thirteen losing, points. They're losing the to bad teams. This losing is, to bad teams. But this is a bad team coming in. Arizona's like really only got team. one point less than St. Louis. If if the Golden Knights had beaten St. Louis, Arizona would be ahead of St. Louis right now. I just think this is a bad team. They play in a college arena. <laughs> <laughs> when you play in a college arena, you're worse than just one point back of the blues. I can't wait until the golden Knights play in that college. Yeah. arena. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, Oh, I needed to give you this stat. Uh, Phil Kessel has uh, been on the ice for 27% of opponent high danger chances this season. Phil Kessel has only played 19% of the five on five minutes this season. Um, just for reference, Mark Stone, those numbers are spl- uh, flipped. Mark Stone is like it played 28% of the ice time and has only been on the ice for like 20% of opponent high danger chances. So when Phil Kessel is out yet there, another reason for you to bench Phil Kessel. As yeah, yeah. I might scratch. bring you a stat every day about Phil Kessel. And why he, he should there. be benched. Yeah. Well, tonight's his thousandth game. Right. Play him. That's fine. Um, but after that, you got to take a hard look at it. And then after Kessel gets benched, Tyler's going to bring stats every day about how the team has improved. 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Listen, they bench Phil Kessel in that third line as a good game. Oh, you're never going to hear the end of it from me. But here again, like I said before, the main problem is that if you bench him, it's for Michael Amadio right, right now. Right. And I have zero reason to expect a Paul Cotter, Brett Howden, Michael Amadio line. Is going to be any better. It's going to do anything remotely right. good. So... Benching Phil Kessel, you're not suddenly going to have a good third line. Right. Right. Because there's not really another. It's not like he's taking ice time away from somebody. Some that should, it's not like a guy sitting up at the press box screaming like I should be in there. Right. It's There's not a, oh, that guy's got to be in the lineup type of right. player. So it's not actually that bad that Phil Kessel's in the lineup. Uh, it's more about this guy has not been very good. And when we do look to the future, like what is his role on this team? Is it really valuable that he plays on the second power play unit and can, you know, provide a good pass or two on the second power play every night? Right. Is that valuable? Probably not that valuable. I think most of his, in all honesty, I think his primary value is going to be when they have injuries to the top six and he can go back. Well, then to, he can go back up to playing, playing with, with really good people, you know, Stone and Eichel or right. Carlson and Marcia or who, depending on who gets hurt, right? Is that line going to be as good with Kessel up there? Probably not. But that's where Phil that's where no, Phil but, Kessel provides value. Yes, playing when with he's those playing guys. with really good people. So when they've run into injury, Phil Kessel's role on this team will sort of be 
normal for him right now. His role is, well, you're on the third line. That's not going to do much scoring. Uh, well, what are they going to do? That's all Phil Kessel is really out there to help you with is putting the puck in the net. Um, all right. Is the Pacific division good? You know, the Kings have surprised 23 points. Kings, I I did not know the Kings were that close to the Golden Knights. Yeah. Did you? I mean, they played two more games. Okay, but still, 23 yeah. points, that's that's surprising to me. Uh, Calgary, I think, is the big surprise at 16 points, 7, 6, and 2. Edmonton, 18 points. Kraken's got to be surprised at 19. So I don't know if it's any good because Calgary, I mean, when they played the Golden Knights earlier this year, it's like, oh, that's the best team. There's no question about it. And look how they've fallen. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if they're as good, if this division's as good as we thought. We thought this division was one of the best in hockey coming in. Here's the interesting part to me. So if you go by like goal differential, the Golden Knights are the only good team in this division, right? Everybody else is is either negative or just slightly above negative. Knights are plus 18. Right. And the plus 19. Um, but if you go by expected goals, which is expected goals is the best uh stat hockey has to predict the future, right? Like usually if you have a good, if you're playing poorly, but your expected goals is really high, you're going to start winning games, generally speaking. And the opposite is true too. This season, here's your expected goal ranks for the top five teams in the uh, Pacific. The Golden Knights are fourth in the league in expected goals. Uh, They've had a great record. The Golden Knights are good, right? The LA Kings are fifth. Fifth best expected goals in the NHL. Right now there is zero. They're, um, they're even. That yeah, for their actual goal for their actual goal differential. Calgary is at ten. So even though Calgary's record is they've struggled to what we thought Calgary would be, I think Calgary's going to be just fine. Seattle's eleven, uh, which is good considering what we thought Seattle was going to be. I mean, Seattle's plus seven right now. Yeah, and then Edmonton is twenty third in expected goal rate this season. Okay. So Edmonton might be the biggest fraud of this entire group, even though they're not even in a playoff spot at the moment. Well, I guess they are as a wild card, but not in a playoff spot as a Pacific team at the moment. But if these hold true, and we're still relatively early, but if these hold true, the Pacific might have four pretty good teams, right? If LA is actually going to be good, Calgary, we all expect to get better. Knights are good. And then, yeah, the Golden Knights are good. And then, maybe LA and Seattle might actually be something, right? I don't think they're truly... I don't truly, know if I'm a believer in Seattle yet. Not like not like contender going to beat the Golden Knights for the division or anything, right. but they're probably going to be good enough to hang around the playoff race. They're probably going to be good enough to you know beat the Golden Knights once or twice. What are they playing? Six, seven times right. this year? Like They're probably going to be a good enough team to be in the playoff race for the final 10. We might have you know three to four good teams in this division, even though it's just two teams we didn't expect that were going to be any good in L.A. and Seattle. Well, I think L.A., I think last year they said that L.A., this was one of the years that they were going to, you know, come up and challenge for it. I don't know if they'll challenge the Golden Knights, but I do think the Kings are good. I think Seattle might fall off. It's interesting to me that you say Edmonton's that far down and gold's expected. Oh, it, it was given super- they have two of the best players in the world. When I went and was like looking this up, I was like, "Oh, LA's high. Oh, Seattle's higher than I thought. Oh, Edmonton sucks." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this team's and they have bad. two of the best players in the world. Yeah. Two best scorers in the world. All right, coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show. Maroon is not just a color. This is the VGK update with Darren Millsy Millard. Hello, Darren. What's happening? Nice to see you back. Um, oh, thank you. That's a nice thing you've said to me. Um, 
Can you? All right, help me out here, non-Golden Knights related. Do you think the Kings or Kraken are any good? Uh, I think the Kings are. I think Seattle's had a good start to the season, and they're uh, similar in the uh, the Vegas side of things. They they were really disappointed in last year's uh, performance. Uh, they added some really good players, and they're getting something that they didn't get at all at any time last year, and that's goaltending. It'll surprise you that it's from Martin Jones uh, because he's uh, not very good against Vegas, but he's been uh, outstanding uh, for stretches. So um, I would expect uh, L.A. has a better chance, much better chance of maintaining this. Uh, And it also has a little bit to do with Edmonton and Calgary being uh, mediocre to start uh, from a wins-loss point of view. Uh, I would do that. I would think that they'll be in the mix uh, sooner than later. What's more surprising than someone like Seattle or someone like Calgary? Uh, Calgary, but uh, but uh, people underestimate the the transition of of players moving teams, uh, especially star players, and people like uh, Nathan Kadri and Jonathan Huberto and, and Mackenzie Weger are big parts of that team, and, and they're filling big shoes. On that team, and they're doing a bunch of stuff beyond just the hockey part—the uh, marketing and appearances and uh, interviews. Uh, it's hard to settle in for a while, and and I think that that's a part that uh, that gets brushed aside or overlooked uh, a lot. And um, in in their goaltender, Jason Point, Jacob Markstrom, it took them a full year to get accustomed after moving teams. So I, I think that this is going to be one of those uh, situations where it might be January or February before we see the real Calgary Flames. Uh, you said you do think L.A. is good. Are they like good enough that they're contending with Vegas and maybe Calgary at the end of the year for the Pacific Division title? Yeah, they, they were great in the playoffs last year. They pushed Edmonton to, to a seventh game, uh, and they added players uh, offensively to, to, their, to their group uh, in Kevin Fiala. And their young kids have taken steps. Gabe Velarde is is what we expected Gabe Velarde to be when he was drafted, and uh, he's finally healthy and he's putting the puck in the net. And if they if they get any type of goaltending, their their depth up front, and uh, I like really like their blue line is good enough to to be uh, a top two seed in the Pacific Division. All right, come on now. What's happened the last two games? What's happening here? Well, Saturday's game was uh, a throwaway. Like uh, I had that circled as uh, as a really uh, challenging game. You're coming back from uh, from the East. You've got one one day uh, after being away for uh, 14 days, and uh, you've got to turn around. And you got to play that that that's really difficult. Never mind the letdown from the Buffalo game, which is legitimate. Uh, there is so. Uh, much emphasis on that game throughout the road trip, which which helped them on the road trip, uh, Ed, to keep them focused throughout. But it works against you in the end because there's that uh, that drop-off after such a high. So Saturday, I tossed it out. It would have been nice to keep the road uh, or the winning streak going, but uh, all things being equal, kick it away and get going. The San Jose game is a different story. Uh, I still can't believe they didn't win in the sense of, they controlled that game for two periods. They didn't give up really anything for two periods. Uh, and and then came out, and they were flat in the third, which was unexpected. 
And that was probably the uh, the widest margin of uh, of disparity between themselves and the opposition this year. And that includes the Calgary game. Uh, Calgary was really good uh, up there. Uh, this is a case where just Vegas didn't have their game on Tuesday, and uh, and it it got away from them. And that was you heard uh, Bruce Cassidy on, on the post game that night. He was really ticked off. And uh, and he may be able to, to get passes over uh, yesterday's practice, but I think it'll stick with the players, uh, certainly going into tomorrow night. So those two losses, two very different losses. One uh, I, I throw out. The other one is, uh, is a real thorn in my side. Uh, Mr. Momentum, how does that happen so much in hockey? It's not just like a Golden Knights thing, but how does it happen where you'll have just a third period, second period, whatever, just a team comes out, flat after playing well in previous periods? Well, it's, it's easy. The Zamboni sucked it up. The sucked momentum, the momentum up. There. Why'd they leave it on the ice? They could have taken the so, momentum with them into the locker room. Well, there's so much momentum out there. It's hard to package <laughs> it up. And then the Zamboni goes around and it puts it in the big barn and then they, they put it outside in the, in the parking lot and all the big snow. It's, uh, it's that easy. Uh, I, I think a lot of it has to do, honestly, with, with, teams that are good or you have a good period, Tyler, and you come into the dressing room and you're feeling good about yourself. And Ed's been on the bad side of it. He comes into the, the dressing room. He's not feeling good. And I yell at Ed and I give him <laughs> some, some, uh, some uh, emotional uh, feedback. And he goes out there and he responds to that. I think there's, there's a lot to that in the National Hockey League. So you need to yell at your team when you're winning is the, is the well, end of the day. I call it oral motivation. All right, that, all right. That could go a lot of ways. Come on, Darren. What are we doing here? I'm just saying that you motivate your team. <laughs> uh, and if you don't have a good period, uh, the coach is going to give it to you. If you have a great period, the coach is going to say, okay, we did this well, but we could tighten up on this, this, and this. Well, that's uh, that's not the same thing as uh, as the other guy who's who's getting told that uh, that they're not very uh, good, didn't have a very good period. They're going to want to impress their coach. They're going to come out and they're having a good period. I think I think that has a lot to do with the second period uh, uh, turnaround this year for Vegas uh, not being as good as the first is because they've been so dominant in the opening frame. How long do those t- t- talks, uh, we see shots of guys in the locker room at halftime, you know, with their equipment and everything. How, especially since there's three periods, how long do those talks even last? Does he just come in and give them a few bullet points and then get out of there? Yeah, uh, at the start of the game, it's probably four or five minutes uh, uh, right before they go out. The, the coach will, will speak to the team. It can vary. Uh, some coaches don't speak to their team uh, until in, in an intermission standpoint. They don't speak to their team until they're ready to go back on. Uh, other coaches will address that team immediately after the period and then come back in uh, before uh, the start of the period, before they go back out. They'll be uh, twofold. One, the, uh, the tough love and uh, the bad cop, and then maybe a little bit more uh, building them up before they go up. But uh, I would say maximum uh, four minutes during an intermission. Can I give you uh, my favorite conspiracy theory at the moment? Uh, do I have a choice on that? No, not really. I just like to ask. See, okay. if, see if you. All right. Uh, so that's nice of you to be polite. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I believe that the Henderson Silver Knights were bad on purpose. 
uh, to start the season. That way, when Laurent Brossois went down for his conditioning loan, he wouldn't look very good, and he could pass through waivers with nobody claiming him. Well, I understand the conspiracy theory. It's in reality, it's ridiculous. Okay, do you <laughs> believe that conspiracy theory, or or is it just one of those Tylerisms? What 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 are they? They they won their first two games after he got through waivers, right? Uh, yeah, he played the second game. Yeah, seven to one when he played in the second game. I know they but lost they last lost night, last. but he didn't play last, last night. Last he night. didn't. He didn't play. Laurent Brossard didn't play last night. Irrelevant. Yes, Dominated he in his first game. He, he, he took. He took over in the game. Oh, they were so bad. He had to take over. Okay. <laughs> okay. Never mind. Um. So yeah. No. Uh, so, do so I, hold on. Hold on. So the, you're 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 like Paul Cotter and the uh uh little John promo. You're scrunching out the paper and throwing it over your shoulder. No, no, no. I think I still believe it. We'll we'll see. We we need a bigger sample size here, right? Like we give me another five or six games and let's see if they go. They were the worst team in the league. Laurent, Laurent Brossois passes through waivers. They win two in a row. If they, you know, win like five of the next six. To do with the t- Laurent Brossois getting through waivers has nothing to do with, with the team. It has to do with a team's need, uh, like an NHL team's need uh, at the time. And Brossois hadn't played other than two games. That's why it's a conspiracy theory. Because the rest of the team was tanking on purpose to make you've the been, team bad. You're better than this. You've had better conspiracy theories. Before. Oh, I do agree with that. When, I, I have had better ones before. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, this is the one that I'm latched onto at the moment. And you got to hear it today. So thank you for listening, Darren. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, he's Darren Millard. You can hear him uh, or see him on AT&T Sportsnet tonight when the Golden Knights take on the Coyotes. Darren? Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Ed, you're the best. Tyler, Thanks, brother. we'll talk to you soon. I am the best, too. Uh, I will take that as being the worst, which is just like being the best if it's from Darren Millard. He doesn't like my conspiracy theory. I don't know. I, I thought it played well. Because, they did lose 6-2. to two. I did not know. What if he, because what if he had had two shutouts? I did not know Brossois came in last night. He didn't start, but they apparently got beat so bad last night that he had to come in the game. <laughs> they play uh, Saturday and Sunday. So, big what if he two, had two shutouts in those games? Uh, what if he has a shutout this weekend? Looking great all of a sudden. Get him through waivers. Bait. Yeah, all of a sudden he's good. I mean, Laurent Brossois would not want that. Laurent Brossois would want to be claimed by another team so he could play in the NHL. But I'm saying the conspiracy theory is the rest of the team was Take under instruction. Purpose. Let's be bad. We're giving up like 70 shots to just Laurent Don't Brossois. do anything in front of him. Right. Just, oh, my bad. And then once he cleared through waivers, all right, we're ready to play. We're good to go. All right, we got tickets to give away. If you want to go see John Fogarty, call in right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see John Fogarty, you can win tickets right now. He was going to be perform hits from CCR and some solo hits. These tickets are for Saturday. This Saturday at Encore Theater at the Wind. 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. Be calling number nine right now at 702-364-1100. You got to give Jim Irsay his props. He knows football, and he wants to get back to what we were. And you bring Jeff in there, you got to just automatically think that's the segue to Peyton. Yeah. You got to get Peyton in that building in some shape, form, or fashion. I think if you, if it's going to happen, <laughs> Jeff is the guy to get him in that building. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Coming up next hour, tickets to go see Pink. Stay tuned. That sound right there was talking about getting Peyton Manning in the building to be a coach or a consultant with the Colts. If you're Peyton Manning, 
Are you at all interested in that? Not if I can keep doing Monday nights with my brother. Right? Like, if I'm Peyton Manning. Like Hosting Peyton- the CMAs. He seems to have yeah. a nice life right now. He does a lot of stuff. I would not want to be anywhere near the coaching profession. No. If I was Peyton Manning. The coaching profession is not fun. Like, it pays well once you get to the top. doesn't pay well at the bottom. But it pays well once you get to the top. But it's not fun. I imagine what Peyton Manning's doing right now is more fun than what he'd be doing if he had to be some sort of a coach. Right. Even if he was a part-time consultant or something. Oh, like yeah. That. Has to be funner. Way less fun than what he's doing. Uh, so I wouldn't do it if I were Peyton. I would keep trying to make funny videos and stuff like that and have fun with my brother on... And here's the thing. They don't even do all the Monday night games. They get to pick and choose what month. They do like half yeah, of them. They're like, exactly. Ah, we got to go to a wedding that week, so we're going to take this Monday off. What a great job. Did you guys see that... Uh... Uh, LeBron is doing that style of thing for tonight's game. Kind of like how the Manning cast. Wait, on the, we're, we have a LeBron cast? He's doing, on Amazon, he's doing an alternate stream for tonight's game, and he has like seven or eight guests for tonight. Is LeBron he is? playing basketball? He's doing <laughs> He's doing a stream of his uh, barbershop show. Is on he on it? Yeah, on an alternate stream of... Well, uh, they stink anyway, so they're not winning a game, so he doesn't care. <laughs> Can you imagine if anybody not named LeBron did that, how much criticism they'd get? Draymond it's like Green, Waller going to Aces games during games. Yeah, Draymond Green got criticized for doing a podcast during the, the NBA yeah. Finals. And now we got LeBron is like, yeah, I'm just going to host uh, Thursday Night Basketball. It's <laughs> just going to do it. Why not? We don't play that night. Why don't I need to be somewhere? No, nah, I'll take the day off. No problem. All right. I have an important question for the both of you. Have you ever tipped at a drive-thru? No. If I had the ability to, I would. You would? I tip everyone. Wow. I tip everyone. All right. I mean, I do. You? I so, tip everyone. So I was in a drive-thru. Um, not going to tell you where. And, you know, I go up to the window, give them my card. Right. And as they're handing me my order, and before I have my card back, they say, hey, completely optional. Would you like to leave a tip? You would say yes in that scenario is what you're telling me. I tip everyone. The only, in quotes, tip that I've given is like occasionally they'll say, hey, do you want to round up for charity? And if it's like oh, I do that 70 something or whatever, I'll say yes. Yeah. The other day, though, I actually, I forget where I was, but my total came out to like, whatever and like five cents and they were like do you want to round up i was like no yeah, how about round out cents. round down round down <laughs> to the charity of danny <laughs> <laughs> like it's five cents and you're telling me why not just say hey do you want to donate a dollar uh i feel slightly uninformed on this i think you should probably not do that when they ask you to round up to charity you're effectively making a charity donation for a company because they then take that money and donate it and like get to use it as a tax write-off. Man, I missed your roundup. Just donate it yourself. Go home and give uh, the sixty-three that's a lot, cents that's a yourself. Lot of work. That's yeah, a yeah. lot of work. But now your money is becoming a tax write-off right. for the company. I yeah. believe that's how that happens. And Taco I'm also... Bell needs those. <laughs> Do they? Yeah. I don't think they got. They're paying Devontae Adams a bunch of money to be in these commercials. <laughs> I'm also a little skeptical at places that do that say or ask for charity money and say it's going to a specific one. Because I've worked for a company Uh-oh. where we Uh-oh. we asked for charity and 
we were running a donation for like 20 different charities, but we would try to get to people based on, we, we would like profile people and like, if they walked up with kids, we would say, Hey, would you like to donate to a kid's charity? Or if it was elderly people, Hey, would you like to donate to like an Alzheimer's research charity? It's pretty, it's pretty smart. And so like they would say, Oh yeah, here's five bucks. But if we have 20 different charities, only like 10 cents is going to that charity because we just divide it amongst all of them. Yeah. So moral of the story is don't round up your money. So did you tip at the drive through? No, I did not. They didn't hold, they didn't hand you back a card reader where you can push in a tip? No, they would do I I'm assuming they were gonna do it right there when they had my card. They'd add a dollar or something like that. Had they already given you your food? I had already gotten my order, yes. It, it's as they're handing me the order, they ask, Would you like to leave a tip? This and is I, a fast food? Uh it's a it's a tea and coffee place. So it wasn't even food, it was just oh. a drink. And that you drove like, through. Yeah. And I was like, No, we're not doing that. I'm not, not leaving a tip for you to hand me the drink. The best is like um, places that you do your own thing and then you <laughs> go up to pay and they're like, hey, would you like to leave a tip? Like, what? Place your own order. I, I, yeah. No, well, not even that. It's like places that you prepare your own stuff, like self-serve ice cream places. Ah. They'll be like, hey, you want to you tip <laughs> us for you doing the work? 